Uh, Adam, thank you for coming today. Welcome to, to Startup Grind. Yeah. Um, really excited to have you. And um, to kick things off, let's, I wanna start with, with your background. So um, we all know you're the president and CEO of BRAC. Um, can you give us a little uh, detail into what that role is today, uh, what you do, and maybe a little background on BRAC? Yeah, so, so BRAC is Baton Rouge Area Chamber uh, for the acronym uh, heavy world that we live in. Uh, our organization leads economic development in this nine parish capital region that we all live in. Uh, the work of economic development is confusing to most and it seems like it's everything sometimes. Uh, yeah. we, we are involved primarily in trying to drive business investment and growth for this metro region. Both kind of project work to help companies make a decision to expand or locate here or keep them from moving or relocating, uh, as well as trying to make the climate for job growth and economic growth strong. Yeah. So we, we kind of are in a wide range of activities to try to spur those two things to happen. Uh, our office, uh, the David E. Roberts Center for Economic Development is, is kind of where we do all that work downtown. Although I was telling Stephen Loy a minute ago, we are uh, sparse in the office as everybody is yeah. these days. Uh, so um, a lot of it happens virtually as it, as it always basically has, right. but, but definitely more now than ever. Our team is about 30 people kind of spread across the different initiatives that we run. Uh, and that's kind of us in a nutshell. We, yeah. you, we're at BRAC.org. Uh, you can find out a lot about our initiatives, our strategic goals yeah. and, and how we operate. So, and we're, we're gonna get a little more into, yeah. into BRAC and some of the things they do. So, um, but I wanna take a moment and maybe go back. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you, what did Adam do before BRAC? Um, yeah. You worked yeah. in Silicon Valley, maybe lived there a little bit. I did, yeah. Um, can you give us a little background? So out of college, I had planned to focus on German studies, which is a liberal arts kind of thing to think is a good idea. Right. Uh, and it's very promising. It didn't work out. They, they realized I was not smart enough to do that. And the, the Fulbright people told me no, and probably a good decision ultimately for them. Uh, leaving that, I ended up in London for a couple of years, about six months, excuse me, for a startup there, focused on the early days of, of trying to figure out how sales and marketing get, gets done online. This was in 97. And yeah. I was uh, trying to figure out how to help them populate a database of, of, of computer and IT equipment sales yeah. uh, on, a, on a website in the UK. Um, so six months in London just to kind of have any, something else to go do and try it out. It was on a, a post-college internship program called Bunac. Uh, it's, really, it's really kind of a cool way you can get a way to go work overseas. Did that, came back, got hired by Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture, yep. um, to work in Chicago in a technology research group. Uh, was an analyst writing technology news for a weekly column, uh, just trying to dissect what was happening in the technology industry. After about a year doing that, the manager of the division, Accenture, if people don't know it, at the time probably had about 75,000 employees worldwide. Yeah. Big, big base of those were in Chicago, uh, where their headquarters, kind of US headquarters was. Um, and everything was happening in Silicon Valley and, and this research group had a research lab in Palo Alto, uh, just south of San Francisco. So they said, why don't you move out there yeah. and start writing about technology startups instead of just normal technology news of the week. And so I kind of built this empire trying to write about technology startups. In, in the world of Accenture, it was the best job because all I had to do was go around networking with technology startups That's a good job. in the heyday of the dot-com bubble when there was money everywhere, yeah. events and networking gatherings. And, uh, and so just just loved it, but the goal was always to try to find the next interesting technology startup that was going to be important for this big consulting company to know the trends of where, where things were heading, which is what their research lab really did. They yeah. kind of did experimental research to try to figure that out. So I got from that back to Louisiana when the dot-com bubble burst. Uh, in 2001, you could kind of see the writing on the wall that everything was about to go to hell. And, uh, and so I got, a, a, I didn't know anybody in Baton Rouge, but made a connection that Louisiana at the time was writing something called Vision 2020, or I had just written it and uh, right. was trying to figure out how to diversify the state's economy. And so a friend who was here, who I knew uh, from growing up in Louisiana had said, hey, you should move to Baton Rouge, come meet somebody in the governor's office yeah. and work on governor's public. So that's, that's how I ended up back in Louisiana after those, those days, spent about five years in California before yeah. moving back and uh, have been essentially in, in some realm of 
Louisiana Economic Development or Public Policy. And so, so when you worked for the governor's uh, office, which governor at the time? So I started with Mike Foster in 2002. Mike Foster? Yeah. So what was your role? What were you doing exactly? I was a grunt. I mean, I was no business <laughs> doing what I was doing. Uh, Stephen can attest to that. Uh, yeah. The job was to be the governor's economic development advisor. Uh, in the governor's office, they have a kind of a cadre of, of folks. They, they grind down who yeah. are young and they can make them work hard late nights. And so we were writing re and researching and pursuing different policies that the state could pursue related to economic development. At yeah. the time, folks may not know, but like that was the end of his administration. He had two more years of the governor's term. He has kind of had a reputation of not being an aggressive economic development governor, although he's yeah. kind of got a great legacy today for what he did for education. He, in a, in a period of about four months, we, or three months, we, we ended up writing a series of state legislative acts to try to change the nature of economic development for Louisiana, yeah. which are still some of the core programs we all operate on today. And what are, what are those? So for example, the state has a tax incentive that companies that are growth oriented companies can apply for called quality jobs. It was modeled on a program in the state of Missouri that does the same, where if you intend to add jobs over the course of a decade, every yeah. net new job you add, once you meet a baseline minimum of about 250,000 in payroll, so you have to be somewhat established. Sure. You're getting 5% or 6% back on the cash that you create in new payroll from the state of Louisiana and a check that they cut to you every year for that decade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, and it's basically a great way to, to sort of help fuel your growth with some, some additional cash. What year is this? So, so this was in 2002. We passed that in, okay. in March or April of and that's 2002. Still, and that's still around. Still one of the most important economic development programs Louisiana uses. That's what we call a statutory incentive for economic development. How? How utilizes it? I'm oh, asking. hugely so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. it's probably the most important tool yeah. that it's it's really ma mainly eligible for companies that we would say are generating a, a product or a service that's sold outside of Louisiana. So it's not for Uncle Earl's, right? It's going to sure. be for somebody who's ge generating economic activity that's creating wealth for the state of Louisiana to grow the economy. And so that's what it's really targeted after. That was also the session that wrote the the big substantial changes to the film tax credit in Louisiana. Yep. The beginning of that started in that session. Uh, we wrote the state's first research and development tax credit, something that was really pushing hard coming back from California that yeah. Louisiana aggressively needed to scale in an R&D tax credit to try to push yeah. for more R&D in the private sector. So things like so, that were written that year. Um, okay, so I, I, this is, it's interesting because like, I feel like a lot of things you're saying are what, pushing from California, right? Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Um, in, in relation, so, in relation to where California is today, um, or at least policy that supports entrepreneurs, um, whether that's good or bad, yeah. do you, where do you feel that, where, you know, where are we? Um, and I ask that just from a perspective of, you know, I, I hear, you know, these things, hey, this was pushed from California, this was pushed from California. It's like, okay, so if we were on a, on a line, you know, are, are we, how close are we to at least the policies that would attract uh, entrepreneurs or yeah. um, benefit entrepreneurs? Because it seems like you're, you've named a lot that, that now do. Yeah, so it's interesting because I think that the, the policy framework is not the question. I think okay. frame, framework is one thing. We have a lot of advantages that we can, we can talk about that, that yeah. Louisiana has tried to put in place and has put in place that do that. At the end of the day, it's a lot about trying to drive the ecosystem of different markets to have a, a really dynamic and vibrant entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. And that is very difficult to, to, to try to legislate that, right? That is right. really about creating what this is. It's about interconnection of people to each other who can help scale companies, yeah. as well as kind of motivating risk-taking and celebrating risk-taking for those who take that risk and then helping the network make sure it's doubling down on deals and then after yeah. an exit you go and find another one and you go and find another one and and that circular system is one that yeah. you're you're always building i think louisiana is probably i mean you can look at the venture capital numbers nationally you know we're we're tiny by comparison to california sure. so uh i mean everybody is tiny by comparison to california yeah uh so it's definitely a long way to go i think what we would say is you're, you got to make sure that you're always figuring out how to take it to the next level even yeah. even as you see weaknesses and challenges you're, you're always trying to make sure it's better. I think what's amazing about Louisiana in the last, that's 20 years ago, right? Almost uh, since that first, that session in 2002, um, have seen every year in different parts of Louisiana, folks sort of elevating their game and pushing it differently, but so has everybody else. Like, so it's just yeah. constantly changing and you're always trying to continue to scale. You know, we were having this conversation last week at Brew um, 
you know, St Stephen, you were there. We were chatting about the future of entrepreneurship, which is the topic of tonight as well. And, you know, we, um, the, a point was made um, that we need to leapfrog. Like, you know, we, we, we can continue on the trend that we are and we need to, you know, make steady improvements. But at some point, if we want to move from the place in line that we are, everyone else is progressing. Um, we need to leapfrog if we, if we want to make it, um, we want to make it known that this is something we're about. So, um, I, and I want to use that as a segue to transition to the work that you do today. So you're, you're now at BRAC, um, you lead a number of initiatives. Um, yeah. uh, I'm curious what you think in, in terms of entrepreneurship in its state today. Uh, how would you how would you describe where we are as a, well, as a state? Come to the point about leapfrogging. I think when we've seen other places that have done it, where they've accelerated rapidly, yeah, I think a handful of things happen just from observations. Right, folks who exit big ventures plow it back into the the market and the ecosystem yes. they're in. I mean, what you see is it's private sector led for folks who believe in entrepreneurship to show that it can be done, and then they help and and broad swaths you know so uplift the right. next cadre of, of entrepreneurs and I think that's a lot about what what drives change uh, everything else kind of is trying to follow and keep up and, and drive it when it happens in other places yeah. um, it's also about having a broad number of entrepreneurs and a lot of different types of ventures that folks can be looking at so there's a regular volume of deal flow to be looking at um, yeah. I had a, a, a long-standing conversation with a friend who helped start idea village in New Orleans um, about whether it is important to have public policy driving entrepreneurship or just important to have great deals. And he, he lived in the world that it's all about a great, a great venture and, and the, the great venture is what drives the rest yeah, of the ecosystem. Absolutely. And ultimately it, it, it's, it's both. Like you need to have the economic climate, you need to have the capital climate right geared toward it, but you, you, it yeah. doesn't work if you don't have yeah. a really supportive and structured ecosystems supporting companies to get created and formed yeah, and then a, helping each other. That's a good point. Cause I mean, I don't think, I don't think people launch ventures because of good public policy. Like that's I, right. think, that's I, right. I think they yeah. do it because they're, they, they feel empowered too. maybe because of their background or the people that they're around. Maybe they see other people do and they go, I can do that, you that's know, right. or they, they, and they show them, um, you know, so. Well, so use, use the NBA as an example. You, okay. have, you have folks who see, Somebody come up through high school to college to go to the pros, make a bajillion dollars. Yeah. That sets an example, right? To the extent that you can see an entrepreneur who does it, executes it, and does it successfully well, and, and they're back doing it again. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big statement to, of encouragement back to folks. I can do it. It can be done here. Yeah. And, and I've met him at an event. And he did it, and right. she did it, and it was amazing. You know? So, yeah, yeah. yeah it was part, partly those networks that, that encourage each other. Do, do you feel like we're growing in, in, in that area enough? Do you, do you think we have enough new... Uh, ideas coming out, or at least new ventures being built, and I and I say that from a standpoint of, you know, I see the the actual numbers of businesses being started. It doesn't, yeah. you know, we, we don't seem to be growing in in a, in that, a positive trajectory. I, I, I think I, I'm curious to get your take. It, it's it, it's it's one of the core issues I think to talk about. So we tried to estimate the numbers a few years ago. Tried to estimate the number of probably investable early stage startups yep. that are really quality startups like right you would you, you could take that company to any other market and the angel network would be like that's great that's yeah. a great deal let's let's take a look at it and that number has always been too low it's not just baton rouge it's an it's a statewide number that you would say that probably in louisiana that number may be yeah. 20 15 a year that are really high quality investment grade yeah. deals a year in baton rouge it maybe is two to four a year that are yeah. really ready for any market that the team is right the product is right the technology is right whatever right. it is I may be underestimating, but that, that's, a, that's the issue is that that number has to keep getting bigger and it's hard to cultivate and build a capital network until that number is also bigger. And so it right. makes you have to figure out different things to make sure that the capital network, early stage investors who want to see a lot of deals all the time, see enough deals that are really quality deals that they stick around yeah. and, and, and come to the next one and come to the next one. So I think for a, an early stage market or a smaller market like Baton Rouge, you're trying to also make sure that you've got all the pieces moving in the right direction um, to, to help cure for the interest of how you how you create this kind of virtuous cycle of investment to deal, investment sure. to deal. And, and um, we're going to get to the story of actually Red Stick Angels in, in a minute. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of deals and, and where we are with, with our startup ecosystem, because, you know, 
startup grind is a, is a startup ecosystem. At the very least, we, we hope to inspire new startups to, to get going. Um, when you talk about deal flow, I think there's, whether it's our audience here or, or people that will listen to us throughout our community, uh, they'll, they'll ask, when you say be investable startup, and then the number being, at least from your perspective today, two to four. And I could be wrong, right, no, no, others you, in the room would know. And it's but. totally, you know, but that's the point, right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. you, you, you have to come up with a number that can always be nothing, you know, right? Yeah, right. Um, what kind of deals are those? Because what I see a lot, and I, I, mean, I ask this from an, an investment perspective, I see a lot of startups in around the country where their angel networks may, may do more small deals with the consideration of somehow we have to try to reach product market fit. Um, and to give, you know, give an example, like, I guess perspective is that a lot of companies in those technology hubs are, are given or have the opportunity to get gas, to get gas to get to the, to the next step. Yeah, yeah. Um, here we, we gotta kind of siphon our own and, 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 go, and go drill, which is okay, we have to hustle. What stage do you think we're investing in today? Are we are we investing in early stage to get them to product market fit, or are we only investing after the fact that they show that they can make oh, money, whether or not that means yeah. anything? No, I think by and large we're investing at companies that are pretty close to market ready. Yeah, um, they may have a little bit of revenue, or they may just be right before revenue, but they're sure. pretty far along. You don't see a, a substantial seed capital market that's really early, early capital, and that's yep. that's one of the challenges. Is you're Friends and family for a much longer span. Yeah. Until you get to which well, Louisiana works. Friends and family. That's that's the way to do it. That's right. Um, the other thing ahead. I would observe about the, the market comparison to some of the other entrepreneurial ecosystems around the country is if you're in a more robust entrepreneurial market where there is, like you said, more gas to get to uh, to get along the way in the early earliest of stages. Um, most of the ventures are looking at a national or global concept, or at least a right. multi-regional concept. And I think that's the key is to say, are our companies looking for a way that they're building truly scalable ideas yeah. that solve some sort of massive problem or fit an important market niche that they've defined clearly what that is. And the better yeah. ones do, and the, the ones that, that aren't thinking at that scale yeah. are really focused on solving something more as a local problem or a maybe a regional problem to try to address. And that's a big part of, I think, yeah. making sure that the entrepreneurial climate is is thinking about the scale of market opportunity yeah. to, to know that their company could be much, much bigger. And that's where investors get excited. Yeah. And so this brings me to actually this is good. This brings me to my next point. Um, is there an industry or set of entrepreneurs that you believe we could be attracting or, or that have better opportunity here? Um, and to give a little background there, and I, and I asked that from the perspective of, Okay, so myself and and Scott, my, my co-founder here, we we run a social networking platform. So so we are consumer social by nature, right. and we target consumer social investors. Right? Uh, those are not here. Yeah. You know, they're just because we are not a get revenue in the next twelve to eighteen months kind of company. Um, but having said that, the next startup we we launch, never know, man. Um, <laughs> We, uh, and, 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 and congratulations, Scott actually quit his job uh, two weeks ago. I don't know what he was thinking, but, uh, but he did. And we, we took that leave, well done, man. Um, what, what kind of startups, what kind of industry uh, do you gain attention here? Uh, so do you kind of gain traction? Probably five or 10 years ago, I would have named the sectors that we're strongest in as a community. Yeah. This last year has been fascinating to, I think, help us reset our expectations. So just, just bear with me for a second and sure. kind of follow through on this. And this is going to be about Baton Rouge, but also kind of about Louisiana. This past year, Barbecue Guys, a, a Baton Rouge-based online platform, exited to a, private, right, exited to a private equity company who is keeping the headquarters here to scale what they expect to be a billion-dollar company based in Baton Rouge selling barbecue pits online. Now, yeah. you could say, all right, that makes sense. It could make it sense everywhere else barbecue is popular. Yeah. Um, it was because the company and the deal was interesting. And he, he was at it 20 years building that company, longer than that. Um, so it's interesting that that has nothing to do with the traditional nature of what you would say works in Baton Rouge. Yeah. But he built an amazing company online. We got rain yeah. now. We got the rain now. Um, it's, uh, it's 
coming down. Last year, walk-ons, uh, based here, but has built a you know a franchise restaurant business at a big private equity you know event. Again, you could say that makes sense because of LSU sports. It's also a franchise restaurant. Uh, sure. it, it, it could operate in Dallas or anywhere. Uh, Marucci had a big uh, investment from private equity to help scale and grow Marucci. Uh, General Informatics that started at, at, at LBTC, the Business and Technology Center uh, at LSU, had a massive infusion of capital toward the end of the year to help scale and build kind of a, a, a southeast or a regional uh, IT services company here. Yeah. None of those, you would say, is part of Louisiana's core industries. Like, those are all non-traditional deals. You like, it had, none of those have a connective tissue to each other, to a right. sector. So I would say it's a misnomer for us to think that it has to be sector-specific that we're predicting it. Obviously, we have really interesting market opportunities in our core industries of, of industrial services or engineering services or construction or yeah. petrochemical industries. And we've been trying to think about at BRAC... For example, when we look across the trends of Industry 4.0 as a technology trend to change the nature of manufacturing, that might be something that, that Baton Rouge and Louisiana could build technology companies that service what is a yes. laboratory of IT investments and the potential for those at the industrial corridor, which are in many ways still, they would say dinosaurs in IT, that they're still building out kind of the intelligent yeah. systems that, that can drive, drive uh, opportunity. But, but none of the four that I named are in that, in that space, right? So it's yeah. interesting to think about that. We just saw today in, in New Orleans, uh, a company, Turbo, Turbo Squid, uh, sold to uh, a, a company out of New York that is you know, a really interesting exit. Turbo Squid has been a, one, of a more, our, one of our more interesting IT companies or uh, software companies in Louisiana. It's a network for buying 3D models, right? Okay. It's a purely online venture to sell and trade in, in yeah. 3D models. And, they sold, I think, to Shutterstock. Is that who it was? Like, it's a it's a fascinating exit. Yeah, but again, I didn't know about this. Not in our traditional deal space. Yeah. Uh, for what you would say is kind of Louisiana's bread and butter. The other, so I would say to your question, and a long way to come around is, I don't think you should assume that the notion of any it has to be in any specific industry. Yeah. The, the winner of the big pitch last week at Brew Omnideck is a company you can put anywhere. It's a fascinating deal. Yep. Building a really cool platform for. Business services, right? Yeah, online business services. So, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pigeonhole us and, to a second. And I, well, I like that. I think I've, I've heard it both ways. I've heard that we need to focus in on on the sectors that do well here, attract entrepreneurs from different places to come work here because of you know whether it be uh, industrial service, whether it be healthcare, whether it be things that we have great foundations for to bring people in. Um, so, so part of the reason I asked this is also. Uh, you may have seen there's dozens of articles and a lot of data showing there's a mass exodus from Silicon Valley. Like yeah. everyone's fleeing, right? But, but you know, obviously what they talk about is Austin, Texas, Miami, uh, you know, uh, other, uh, Denver is actually, you know, yeah, uh, doing very well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm guessing Provo, Utah is up there too. Yeah. Where? Right. Provo, Utah has been an IT hub for a long time. Right Did, not know, that. Did not know that. It's right there next to California. Okay, okay. Yeah, Provo, yeah. Utah. Yes, yeah. um, we'll have to visit. Yeah, um, sure. I'm, 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 so I'm curious, you know, in the current climate, what do you see as our attraction to entrepreneurs? Because yeah. I've, seen, I've seen mayors take to Twitter and just unleash and try to – the mayor of Miami was just – has oh, been I think next, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, been, yeah. He has been next level just recruiting people. Yeah. He's taking lunch with everyone. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's from, from investors to billion-dollar companies to, to companies that just raised their seed round. He is, like, taking pictures of doing lunch with them, and he's yeah. trying to make Miami a hub. Um, what do you think is, is a good attraction? What, what do you think are our benefits when we start looking at attracting entrepreneurs to come here? Yeah. And... The areas that we don't have, you know, where do you think we could excel? Because we have, you know, uh, food, football, and culture. And then, you know, I don't know how far they'll, they'll take us, but I'm, I'm curious to get your take. So I'm a big believer that quality of life drives decisions yeah. more and more, right? So I'm a, I, when I moved from California to Baton Rouge and thought about the choice I was making about where I was choosing to live, a lot of, of course, is that I'm originally from Louisiana and I, and I missed certain aspects of Kind of the, the the nature of of life in Louisiana is a very yeah. comfortable 
kind of have fun, focus on family, and enjoy yourself. Don't just grind. It's a little and slower. To, to use it's a little slower. It, it is not the pace, it's the enjoyment of it, right? Yeah. I, I think it's, because I think you'll see, in, especially in Baton Rouge, around the universities, you, you, you see folks are driven to achieve and succeed. And, and, and yet there is still a, a core understanding that we all are parking the work life for our personal life in a different way than maybe everybody else is, or yeah. at least in a way that I feel, I've always felt is pretty unique. I, so my sense is that the argument for why is, is definitely driven by culture yeah. and style for who we are as a state, who we are as a people, and that we just behave a little bit differently for our, for our ways that we operate to, to, to make that life choice in a different way. Yeah. Um, I do think that a lot of the folks that would choose will, will choose to do so either because of market opportunity, job opportunity, uh, or fam family relationship. Either they sure. or somebody connected to them has yeah. a Louisiana tie that drew them in or drew them back. And, and my sense is that we, 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 we continue to leverage those connections back. I said, on a meeting earlier today, um, somebody sent me an article that was in, uh, I figure out which, which journal it was in, but it was a person who had moved from San Diego to Austin and hated it in Austin and was writing a column back to California to expose Austin for how much they disliked Austin, which I thought was like a, a hilarious. Yeah. So I said it to my sisters, both live in Austin. I was like, hey guys, like, y'all suck. You know? <laughs> it's great. Uh, just a reminder. Yeah, just, just a reminder. reminder. Yeah. Hey, if you didn't know, you should move to San Diego apparently. Uh, but it was it was funny to me like see like every everywhere has yeah blemishes it, it's always something that's different like whereas I, I do find like Louisiana is culturally proud and while we have our, our warts that we have to keep working on there's this cultural pride that I think feeds into the entrepreneurial ecosystem I do think that it also if 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 we continue to nurture it as part of why we take risk yeah it's like we're willing to help it, help each other out like find a way that you can connect support everybody it's kind of like what you'll have on your placards here is, you know, give give first rather than ask. You know, sure. a lot of that mantra yep. is kind of in the DNA of the state. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a believer that there are those are some of the reasons why I think it's it's going to drive change yeah. or can drive sort of people's choices. At the same time, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback that on a different story. So, the guy who started Twitch is from Kenner, moved to California, sold Twitch for whatever billions he sold it for, yep. millions he sold it for. And, and, and was talking to some, some folks about whether he would move back here or to Louisiana or, or, or go somewhere else. And he was talking about like Louisiana's tax code was bothering him, that he was going to have to pay more income tax. So like, is that really, you're not, you sold it for $900 million. Yeah. Really, like, are you really concerned about- Trying to pick something? Louisiana's tax to, code. I mean, it might be that you just want to go to Vegas. Come on, <laughs> whatever it is. So Maybe I think so. Uh, there are still things you got to work on to make yeah, sure yeah. that you're, you're drawing people in. Um, on the tax code, qu quickly, um, Angel tax incentive. This is something that, um, in in your background, you kind of saw take take hold. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you can you give us a little understanding into into what that is? And, yeah, yeah. And what is that incentive in general? So, it, it, when it, when working in the governor's office and somebody tells you what what laws would you want to write while you have your time here? Yeah. You have the governor's office at your your disposal. Go and do do what you will. After passing quality jobs and film tax credit and R&D back in 2002, we started thinking, well, what else could we, we try to do next chance we had a, an opportunity? We started looking around and, and had a, a couple of ideas. One was we'd seen states try to pass fairly substantial fund-to-fund -fund deals. Like you would raise $100 million to invest in 10 early stage venture capital firms that would then plow capital into early stage deals. So right. our, we were trying to figure out, could you do something like that in Louisiana to create a fund of funds to drive in-state capital access, which we, so we tried to pass a bill on that. The other bill we tried to do was to create you know, a market for super early stage angel investing. And so we looked around, there weren't many great examples in the US. We actually ended up finding one in Canada. There was, uh, I think a guy at the University of Toronto wrote a book on at, like tax credits for venture investing right. and had written a chapter on angel investing We're like oh let, let's try to do that so we, we looked at this this idea of creating an angel investor tax credit in louisiana this was back in 2004 or 2005 at the time this is now governor foster left in 04 kathleen blanco became governor in 2004 um he left in three she became governor in four 
Um, and, and so we, we started kicking around this idea of could you create a, a state angel investor tax credit? It's still in place today and yep. it has become a, a super valuable tool for folks. It's gone up and down in how it's used and the yeah. structure has changed. Where is it at today? So guessing. today, if I remember correctly, Todd can, can remind me, is it 20%? So it's a, a 35% on, 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 uh, on investments that as, so the value to the angel investor on the amount that they invest, it gets spread out over five years, if I remember correctly, three years. Um, so you, so the investor, what it's essentially trying to do is de-risk to the investor or lower the risk to an investor for going into a higher risk angel yeah. deal. And the, and the yeah. idea at the time when we were working on it was, most of the capital in Louisiana that's willing to go into stuff is going to real estate or oil and gas or other yeah. things, but it's not enough going into kind of high risk, yeah. you know, equity deals for startups. And so the idea was to try to spur that by motivating the investor yeah. to take a look at early stage deals more in Louisiana. And so it, it has it was passed. It remains to this day. So um, on the note of angel investing, um, there there's a angel group here in town called Red Stick Angels, yeah. something you're a part of. Do you, can you tell us a little more uh, about that? And, sure, yeah. Kind of, kind of how it, how it formed. How it came about. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is, and, I, and just us, you know, we, as, as, a, as a startup, as a startup founder, one of the things we, we always, we talk about, we're like, we're like, where are the angels, you know? And, and, and uh, so when I, yeah, yeah. in the last year and a half, when we, as we heard the talks and we heard it come together, um, we're really excited that it's here, but for, for everyone listening, yeah, let's talk about what that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me, please. by the way, to finish up before I forget the thought, the angel investor tax credit, if somebody heard us talking about it, it's a quick Google search. You'll find the page on LED's website about it. Um, what I would refer to folks to is if you think you are eligible or want to be eligible to seek angel investments as a company that you, that you can sell to your angel investors, or your prospective investors, that they could use this tax credit if they invest in you because yep. you're in Louisiana and you're eligible. You do have to become qualified as a Louisiana entrepreneurial business. And so one of the key steps to prepare as a company is to go and check it out, understand what it is, and then you can kind of put it as part of your pitch to go and talk, to, talk to, to businesses about it. The Red Stick Angels deal. Yeah, that. Um, so this is probably late 2018 and talking to kind of a handful of high net worth folks that then invest in startups. I made the point to a few of them that it, it is embarrassing to me. I'm from Lake Charles, Louisiana, originally. It is embarrassing to me that Lake Charles has an active angel investor network and Baton Rouge doesn't. This is back in, in 2018, late, early 2019. I was like, Shreveport has one. Lafayette has a little bit of one. New Orleans has a pretty strong one. Why doesn't the capital city have one? And, and shame on us collectively who, who, who care about this and are excited about it not creating it and so we we decided we would convene a small group of five or six folks just to try to put that same shame yeah. pitch to them that was in kind of early 2019 and uh and and thanks to nexus louisiana and the louisiana technology park and their team they basically said we'll, we'll rise to help you guys try to help figure this out but ultimately it has to be started by and driven by angel investors who want to have a right kind of a network to to invest in deals and they also, what's critical about it is angels are doing something much more important when they operate together is they're helping each other evaluate the investability of a deal. Yeah. And, and, and you need to, like anything, many hands make light work. You need others to help you who know that space to evaluate the deal, give you feedback. Yeah. They may not know a medical deal. You might know a software deal, whatever yeah. it is. You need to bring your collective intelligence to evaluate yeah. whether that deal and that investor, that entrepreneur is is a good deal or a bad yeah. deal. Otherwise you're gonna squander your money as you probably were before you yeah. came together. Well, we, we, we've learned yeah. there, there's, a, there's a, an essence of laziness to investors. Oh my gosh, that, for that, sure. That, yeah. that, well, that's where intros come in. <laughs> yeah. You know, not every single investor is gonna, gonna take the, you know, two, three hours to, to vet you. Right. So if someone else says, hey, you should invest in so-and-so, right. it gets done. Um, totally get that. And I'm, yeah. and I'm glad it, I'm glad it kind of came together. And I agree with the fact that there's a lot of, in, you need to have it angel driven. Um, so from your perspective, and, and put this in anywhere in, the, anywhere in the answer, I know you were speaking on it. What do you think that motivation is from angel investors today here in Baton Rouge to 
actively invest in in startups? So I, I find that they are two sides of the same coin. The entrepreneur is passionate about the project. Sure. Like I love to invent, I love to create. I'm trying to solve a problem and I want people to believe in my idea yep. is an amazing idea. Plus I want to make a lot of money doing it and, and have a lot of people that are fun to work with rather than doing whatever else I was doing. Sure. Entrepreneurs or investors I think have the flip side of that is they are jazzed about deals. These are investors who could do something else with their capital but they choose to say it's fun to take the risk to be a part of something really interesting and yeah. special. And I think a lot of it is their own just personal energy that they derive from being a part of a project. Even though they're on the different side of it, they're evaluating it, holding it accountable, putting money, but they're also expecting, they're also trying to figure out how to make a lot of money and doing yeah. it, but also they've probably made a lot of money and it's also somewhat about the, just the, the pure energy and enjoyment that they get from doing sure. it. So I think what we're trying to do as kind of the folks that are helping that network um, and, and would congratulate Todd for being a big piece of that, the, the cohesion of that group is the hardest part, like keeping it energized. And coming back to what we were talking about before, if you have two to four deals in a metro area that may be really ready each year for a outside investor to come in and take a piece of the company, you have to find ways to give them other access to deals. So it was really important with what they did in creating the Red Stick Network that they partnered with the New Orleans uh, Angel Network, No Land, and so they're they're basically a, I don't know, let's say a subsidiary club, a yep. partner club, where they're seeing deals from New Orleans, and the, the the group from New Orleans is seeing deals from other cities, and they're all kind of partnered together in this broad national network of angel yeah. investor groups that a deal can kind of syndicate across the southeast essentially, and this is one of the hubs that could stop in. Yeah. So if we're doing this right, we would have you know we continue to want to have a bigger and bigger group of angel investors. And by partnering, they'll see deals in this group, but they're gonna see deals from a lot of places. So they get to have fun evaluating deals, but yeah. by, by the fact that they exist here, it makes sure that the angels that are here and ready are getting feedback, having access, yeah. they can pitch, they might get a no, a lot of them are gonna get a no. Should. But yep. that's gonna happen anywhere, but yep. that, that no is a valuable tool to helping that company get better. Yes. That ideally it's a no, but do these three things that I see that are bruises on your project. You know? So, um, Love that. I love no's. Uh, I, a, a good no, I, right? A no, resourceful no. I, mean, no, no just, right? Just, I think more people need no's. Yeah. I think startups need more no's. I think they need more opportunities to, to get turned down, more opportunities to pitch, um, more opportunities to lose. And I think one thing that I, I notice here um, in Baton Rouge, and one, one thing I'm excited about for the future is that I felt like early on there weren't enough opportunities to get a no. You know, um, there, there, there weren't enough opportunities to go and get told that your idea is not good enough. Mm. Because ultimately, I think start, like startups need that. They, they need more eyes and ears, yeah. and they need to go through a set of no's and a set of, of not, you know, not um, come back when it's profitable. Like, no, 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 like, like actual feedback. And um, so I'm very excited about what y'all are doing. Um, I know us from the startup community, we're, we're excited to see it. Um, and in, in regards to, last point on, on this, in regards to deal flow, um, how has that been? If there's something you can share, you know, do you see, for instance, out of every hundred, you know, out of every 10 deals that come in, how many of those are actually coming from Baton Rouge? And I'm not gonna take that as a negative if it's low, it's more of a challenge too. Like, where are we um, in your eyes? You know, are we at one or two or are we at five? You know, and where can yeah. we start pushing ourselves and elevating what the businesses here do? So. Let me let me say this about Red Stick. It is still a work in progress. So with COVID, things are always kind of a, a little precarious. So it was actively cranking along in, mm -hmm. in fall to spring, uh, fall 2019, spring 2020, cruising through about six months and then COVID kind of yeah. slammed things to a halt. So I think we... We continue to see them actively looking at deals, but being all virtual, I think it, it, it's tough to be an investment club when you can't actually have the fun aspect of being an investment club, sure. but being kind of in, in, in the presence of each other, which makes it a little trickier. I, I couldn't um, agree more. Look, we, we had yeah. virtual events from, you know, we started Startup Grind last December. We went to virtual in March. I told everyone I hated it. Yeah, I yeah got, it's, it's, it's I, hard to do. Yeah. I'm a virtual meeting kind of guy, yeah. but virtual events, no. I don't want to say it. It's for the birds. So, um, but anyway, so I think that, yeah. let, let's pause for a second and observe that. They did, I think, two investments through Red Stick 
in in or Baton Rouge deals. I got deals in Red Stick, and it's kind of first. So that was a credible half year of, of activity. Go ahead. It kind of benchmarks to around what I was talking about. Um, but they also have seen a ton of deals from broader markets to, to, to be able to evaluate. So I think that's kind of an ongoing project. But I think it, it, it came along. It's something that, let me pause and say it's something different about our entrepreneurial ecosystem. I think what's really interesting to us is if you look across uh, Louisiana Technology Park, probably has 12 to 15 startups in it. Um, now they're of course virtual and, and in-person yep. and it's kind of been different through this year. Uh, out at the Louisiana Innovation Park, LSU Innovation Park, you probably have 25 or 30 companies, startups out there in incubators at those two facilities. Um, I would say if, if you have that plus coupled with the companies that they are serving or partnering with or trying to help consult, you could probably say that that's another 50 to 100 companies that are not in an incubator that are somehow in a network of service that are in Metro sure. Baton Rouge. And then you probably say if that's a hundred startups or early stage companies, there's probably two to three times that that aren't in the network that are building or a venture that yeah. may just be doing it outside of the, the normal networks that just you're just connected to. So when you think about that, plus what you see out of the sort of the ecosystem of the, the campus itself at LSU, right? So what's yeah. amazing about it is if, if you were to go over and talk to the commercialization staff at LSU, there's plenty of ventures that they have that are people are developing intellectual property or building companies that aren't in an incubator, aren't yet coming to seek services, but they're building a patentable idea, yeah. a protectable idea that can turn into a venture down the road. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting place to be when you have those assets and those resources. And, and folks step back and go, oh my gosh, that's like that's a lot of real companies out there building startups, creating jobs yeah, it's, in it's, the market. You it's, know? it's more of a number than I knew. And I, and I, and, and this is, um, so this might be a good transition to our last topic, which is, is resources. Um, we talked earlier about that, we were talking about, you know, registrations for Startup Grind. Over the last year, about 40% of the registrations for Startup Grind have been people that have identified having or being a part of a startup um, in some way, right? And I'm curious, you know, so there's a lot going on here in town. We talk about network, we talk about the, the opportunity and then the various industries, then maybe industry agnostic to an extent and really hopefully would grow to that point. Um, what are the, are the resources in town that, um, let's start with this. What are the ones that are not being utilized in yeah. your opinion? So my favorite example of this is not for everybody. It's, it's one that you need to be a little further along to take advantage of, but we have referred a lot of more seasoned entrepreneurs that have a project, they have employees uh, to go through what's called economic gardening at LED. Um, there's a program where you get free consulting to your startup, strategic guidance for building your company or taking it to the next level if you're ready. And so they're going to do some evaluation to, to make sure this at the State Economic Development Agency that you're an eligible company, you're at the right phase of your venture to go into yep. economic gardening. But it's a program they partner with a national foundation that focuses on entrepreneurship called the Edward Lowe Foundation to create this service. And then through that, they have been able to take in companies, LED pays for these services on behalf of Louisiana's investment. Yep. Somebody will come in if you get made eligible for it, and you'll get roughly 20 hours of time from an expert who's gonna take your books, they're gonna take your strategy, they're gonna kick your butt and yeah. hold you accountable. Like your idea is a dumb one, this is gonna be yeah. your problem, but do this next, do this after that, do this after that, and, and you'll be much further along that you're really seriously ready for what's the next phase of your company. Okay. I'm a big fan that you, people should get more really hands-on, one-on-one coaching and guidance for their companies. Yeah. That's an incredibly underutilized or unknown one that we often will tell people that's an yeah. early one-on-one -on -one thing you could do. If you go through that, then you also open the door that you can go through their CEO Roundtable program, another really fabulous kind of peer-to-peer -peer mentoring yep. program that they offer market by market. So you can be put in a cohort of about 12 other executives building a venture or a season, but trying yep. to scale the next venture. And you kind of coach each other about where you are and you yeah. serve as mentors, kind of like a, a YPO or right. a YEO that you're coaching each other on your next uh, phase. So those are two just examples right there. Rob Wise actually introduced me to CEO at Roundtables. Um, yeah. Great, great, great resource. And um, talk, talking about one-on-ones. And um, free, by the way. It's Yeah, it's free. It's completely free. free. You don't have to pay for the YPO. Yeah. And talking about one-on-ones, I think there's, you know, there's a, a tool 
um, that we only became aware of because of the tech park. So we have an advisory board. Um, we had no idea what, you know, we never, we've never had, we never thought of one. And uh, when we first got introduced to them, they said, um, to come in here, you have to have an advisory board. Like it was, you know, we're, we're like, okay, okay. You know, like, we're like, we're like, okay. To this day, one of the most, one of the most beneficial things we could have, we could have done. And just for that one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. that, that, that having that person that you can, you know, you, you have a little board, they're all looking at one direction, which is the growth of your company and being able to have those discussions with no filter, um, it's, it's priceless. So, it's usually valuable. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I think is interesting is folks don't think about LSU as a service provider. Yeah. They think about LSU as a monolith that teaches 32,000 kids a year uh, and, 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 and in interesting ways, outside companies that have nothing to do with LSU can call up and try to find ways to find an advisor, find a person who really understands their space, find a researcher who wants to help them dig into the market opportunity. And maybe it's a business undergrad or a yeah. grad student who was, wants to work on a project as an intern. Um, somebody in the you know, marketing college, maybe, or, uh, college of communications may be able to interest, help you think about your marketing strategy. It's just, there are a wealth of resources that are business services that are absolutely yeah. not packaged as business services. Yeah. But the fact I'll actually give an analog story from a, a trip we took. We took a market trip to benchmark Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania uh, in 2010. And what was fascinating to me in talking to the equivalent of Nexus, Louisiana and the Louisiana Technology Park in Pittsburgh and said, hey, how, how, how many of your deals are coming straight out of Carnegie Mellon or, uh, or Pitt? And they were like, 20%. So where, where are the 80% come from? He's like, it's the ecosystem around the universities that either it's a venture here that's gotten to the universities or it came yeah. out of the universities that had nothing to do with the university. It's a professor who built a company while teaching, but it's not a spin out. It's just sure. his side project or her side project. And, and I think that's absolutely what makes it really great to be in a university town is you're in that culture and climate to be able to feed off the intelligence of yeah, the, the brilliance that you get from LSU and Southern to have those researchers that are there. So love that. I love that. Um, look, so we're here towards the end of it. Yeah. So um, I, I think first off, I'm going to share. You know, we'll definitely be able to try share all these resources with everybody. I'm, I'm excited for the for the future of Baton Rouge and and the entrepreneurs we've seen here. Uh, we hope to continue building that ecosystem. Um, as as we as we wind down, you know, we talked about resources. We talked about uh, angel investing. We talked about the ecosystem, finding people, meeting people, connecting, coming to events like this. Um, is, is there anything that you see um, or that you would like to like, kind of leave with tonight for, for everyone? Whether, yeah. you know, whether that be a message from, from you at, at BRAC and what you, what you envision for the future of this city or, or even a, a couple tips. So I'll, I'll leave that to you. Yeah. So um, I had to give a, a speech to a group uh, to kind of kick off the year of our work uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and my lead off message was coming out of 2020, we have the year behind us now, we can all take a breath. Baton Rouge is absolutely at a place that it needs to stop and reconsider and focus on the future. This is what post COVID should look like. And yeah. I think of 2016 floods were kind of a, a really interesting moment when we had floods, we had an Alton Sterling shooting, we had a police shooting after that, and the community really struggled, but also ultimately came together to say, we have to be better than who we are, we have to help each other get through all these incredible tragedies. Um, and you saw this post-disaster moment when everybody was filled with unity and a sense of purpose. And, and I really think 2021 and a post-disaster moment has to have that kind of moment for, for, for this year. And it shouldn't be that we have to have all the answers. It should be, we are in this together to change this uh, for the future. So this year, our organization is doing a kind of a rethinking of our own work. Uh, we've hired sort of outside help as when we talked about consulting, we had our, hired our own consultants to come in and we're benchmarking Baton Rouge against 40 other communities right now to look at the data of Baton Rouge relative to yeah. uh, about 40 other communities in about a thousand mile radius of here that are roughly the same size as us, maybe a little bigger, maybe a little smaller. And we're looking at their data relative to our data to see across a, a, a section of things how we're, how we're doing, whether it's innovation and entrepreneurial dynamism or uh, diversity and inclusion or 
talent production yeah. and recruitment, all, all the facets that drive economic growth. Um, and so that'll lead us to destroy programs, change things, reinvent things that starting next year, based on that kind of reassessment, we'll, we'll kind of be refocusing our own work in different ways. So I, I think that's where we should be as a community right now yeah. is saying, let, let's wipe 2020 off and let's, 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 let's focus on the future. Um, and it really feels like we're still in the middle of this damn thing. You know, we're, we're still kind of doing the, 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 the safety precautions. Sure. So there's a few thoughts uh, about this. One, everybody should take PPP who can. It's like encouraging we, folks to take we, a vaccine yeah, shot. If you haven't gotten a Paycheck Protection Program forgivable loan, you should take every amount of it that you can. And, and, and a lot of folks who haven't distrust government, hate the words SBA. They think SBA is a four-letter word. You know, they want to they want to figure out what's the right way to, to, to proceed. They should, if they can, take advantage of it. And if they're eligible, if they saw 25 percent decline in a quarter in 2020, they should get a second round if they haven't taken it. That just reopened. It'll be open until the money runs out or, or mid-year or so. Um, it, ha- it can be a big lifeline to companies or a boost for extra capital to be able to do something extra, bring on a new person, add a salesperson, whatever it might be that you could you could do with that. Uh, resource if, if you can. Uh, and, and, and we also, I would pause and say, saw a disparity of access that black owned businesses or ethnically owned businesses did not apply for PPP at the same rate as everybody else. And so yeah. we also have to make sure that we're doing a better job of spreading that to our networks to say, if your bank didn't get you, other banks will help you. And you don't even have to change your banking relationship. Just go and find a banker who will help you walk through the process to take advantage yeah. of it. And they are thrilled to have, have it and help you. Uh, we made the call out last year uh, in May or so to push for black-owned businesses who hadn't taken advantage of it to call us and we'd help you introduce you to a different bank. And all our bankers said, we'd love to help connect folks to those yeah. and, and walk them through the process. That's, that's that. The second thing I'd say um, is uh, our, our job and my job specifically is to try to make sure that we know the Baton Rouge area business community. And I don't, know everybody we try to know everybody but if we can do something we're trying to make sure we're helping folks make connections and so i'd I'd say learn about how we can help you we have a lot of different ways within our work where we help connect businesses to other businesses or give them guidance and advice and and connections to other service providers so we we're incredibly accessible we actually turned on one of those features on our website last year as part of our own covid changes where there's a live person on our website every day you can go and chat with us and ask any dumb questions or some yeah. brilliant questions. If we can answer them, we'll try to help steer you to resources. So okay. we want to make sure folks know how to use us. So. Okay. Thank you. Um, hey, um, give a round of applause to Adam, please. That is, that is, thank you so much.